We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 29. This class has been for Refuah of a good friend Moshe Ben Mazal, who's having a procedure today, Ba'ezrat Hashem, this class will be a zikhut for him to have complete Refuah we're discussing the subject of emunah. As we mentioned last week, emunah is a midah that has many levels. It's not black and white in the sense either you're ma'amin, you have emunah, or you don't have emunah. It's not like that. A person can have emunah and yet still be lacking a lot of emunah. It's not a contradiction to say, I have emunah, but yet I have to build my emunah. Because emunah has many, 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 many levels. And last week, we discussed the levels of emunah that are, we'll call it, by the width. Let me explain what that means by the width. It means that sometimes a person can have full emunah in Hashem. Or like we mentioned last week, he thinks that Hashem has also other factors besides him that help the person or hurt the person. That's not called complete emunah, when you think that there is something besides Hashem. En od milivado, that's complete emunah. But there's a different type of complete emunah. It's not so much that you don't fully believe, let's say a person fully believed, we got him up to the top, Ehad, Ehad Hacham, we said last week, he is totally Ehad, no matter what happens to him, no matter what people do, what, no matter what goes on, this person has complete emuna that Hashem is behind it all and takes it that way. So now according to last week's class, he's done. He reached the top level of emunah. There's nothing more. What do you want from the person? He doesn't believe in doctors. He doesn't believe in money. He doesn't believe in anything. He knows. He makes hishtadlut. That's what Hashem wants him to do. But everything that happens, Hashem is running the world. What more can a person accomplish in the world of emunah? This person has reached the top of the ladder. And today we come and we learn... that there's yet another type of in, incomplete when it comes to emunah. Again, we're talking about a ma'amin. We're not talking about not ma'amin. Not ma'amin is for a different group, for a different class, not for today. In the ma'amin world, even if you say en od milevado and actually understand what you're saying, it still doesn't mean that you reach the top level of emunah. What does that mean? What, what more can I do? So today we're going to learn a word that many of you may know, but we're going to try to understand it and how it's relevant to us. For people who didn't really think about this and never heard about it, it's a very big hidush, I would say, 
that maybe most humans on the planet don't even know about this. Very simple human characteristic. But knowing about it is going to make a very big difference in many things, especially in Muna. There's the word Yedi'ah. Yedi'ah means that I know something. We can know something by seeing it, by touching it, by feeling it. We can know something through emuna, as we learned before. But there's two different types of ways of knowing something. There's something called Yedi'at HaSechel. Yedi'at HaSechel means my mind understands it and knows it. And then there's something called Yedi'at HaHush. The word Hush means I sense it. It's kind of, it's an emotional connection to the same information. Which means information can connect to me intellectually or it can connect to me emotionally. Or hopefully, maybe even both. And we must learn about how these types of yidiot work because it will very much affect many things that we do and especially our emunah. Let me give you a real life example of the difference between yidiat hasechel and yidiat hahush. There is a pasuk in Kohelet, Shlomo HaMelech, over there is discussing it seems to be a halachic question. We know that attending a simha of a hatan and kala, attending a wedding, is a tremendous mitzvah. We are building the foundations of this home. The more people that are there to be mesameach, to compliment, to build it right, the more you're investing in the future of this family. So it's a very big mitzvah. You stop what you're doing, you go to a wedding. And you build that next home. There's another mitzvah. The mitzvah of levaya. Sometimes a person has to go and be there by a funeral. person passes away. It's kavodamet. It's the honor of the person who left this world. It's comforting for the family members. It's another big mitzvah that we must do. We put things down and we go to Levaya. Shilomo Melech wants to know when a person only has the option to do one of the two. He's not able to do both of these mitzvot. That was the circumstance. Which one should he do? Should he do? Should he go to the wedding? Should he go to the funeral? Now, generally, when we have such questions in halacha, we have to know which one of these mitzvot is more important. Not that necessarily we have the yardstick of what's more important, but through the Torah, we're able to see which one has a greater value. So, Shlomo Melech is asking. What seems to be the question seems to be, what's more important? So he says, what should you do? Says Shalom Melech, 
go to the funeral. So if you stop right there, so the answer is, I guess, that a funeral is more important than a wedding. And I bet that people can argue both sides of the fence. I could hear that a funeral is more important. It's the last time. It's a very difficult situation for the family. They need more help. The wedding, you still have maybe more chances to give compliments. They're happy anyway. I could hear the other side saying, no, what? They're building something. The other one's gone already. Might as well build the future. What are you crying about the past? I could hear people say both sides. So Shlomo Melech answers, go to the funeral. So at first thought, it sounds like the funeral is a bigger mitzvah. But the pasuk doesn't stop there. Shlomo Melech actually continues to explain himself. And he says, you know why I'm telling you to go to the funeral? Because he says, Ve'ahai, he says, this is the end of every person. Sof kol adam. Ve'ahai yiten elibo. And the living, meaning you, who goes to attend that funeral, you're going to learn something. So, what seems to be the message here is that maybe going to the wedding is a greater, might be a greater mitzvah. But says Shalom HaMelech, for you, there's a greater value in going to the funeral. Because you yourself are going to achieve something. Maybe as far as what you're doing for others, the wedding is more important. But for your personal benefit, you might as well go to the funeral. Because there's something going on there that I don't want you to miss. There's a very big shi'ur. There's a very big class going on there. You don't want to miss it. You know, sometimes, if you miss this class, you know you have next week. And then you have the week later. Or maybe you catch a recording. But if you know there's somebody great who's speaking, and you can only hear him once in your life, or maybe once this year, and there's no recording, you're going to make it your business to get there. You don't want to miss it. Says Shalomu HaMelech, you don't want to miss the shiur. Go to the funeral. Don't miss it. Now he's not talking about going there because people are eulogizing. You don't necessarily have to hear people talk. Just go to, going to the funeral itself is a very important class. Don't miss it. Sacrifice the bigger mitzvah perhaps so that you can gain more personally from it. The question that everyone needs to ask when they see this pasuk is, okay, let's see. What am I going to learn at the funeral? What does anyone learn at a funeral? So they learn that someone died. Haydush. Is that really new information to anybody? Doesn't everyone know from Adam Arishon till today? No one has made it. Billions of people have dreamed or hoped or who knows what, that they're going to live forever. But it's just not happening. Billions and billions of people have gone through the same system. It's a round-trip ticket and there's no way to get rid of that round-trip. That's it. There's nothing to do. So you didn't know that people died? Is that the lesson? You went, you went to the funeral and oh, wow. People really died. Can you believe it? Of course, you know people died. Where, where's your grandpa? Where's your great grandpa? 
You know people die. You hear about it all the time. You think everyone's lying? And if you never heard about it, but certainly if you go into the funeral, you know that people die. So what is it that you learned at the funeral that you didn't know about before? Where you went there and you walked out and said, Wow, Haidush, people really die. I didn't know that. So the answer is, of course you know that people die. Of course you know. Your mind knows that. But does your heart know it? Heart means your emotion. Do you live, when we say emotion, it's how you live. Do you live knowing there's something called death? There's a very big difference in knowing about it or feeling it. Now, feeling it doesn't mean you get depressed from it. No, no, no. It's the opposite. People who know that their time is limited on their vacation, they take advantage of that vacation. They do more because they're only there for two days. If you're there for two months, so you sleep half the time. But if you're only there for two days, you better get it all in. Sometimes I get a chance to go to Israel for a day. I get more done in a day than most will get done in two months. Because I know it's only a day. I don't have time. There's no time for a hotel. There's no time to change. There's no time to shower. There's no time, there's no, there's no time to eat. You know you have 12 hours and you just go. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, how did I do all that? Because you only have 12 hours. You maximize your day. So it's not depressing when you know that life is going to end. The opposite. It makes you more energetic. It makes you more in love with the people in your life. You appreciate them more. Just like when a person knows that their father, grandpa, great-grandpa is leaving the world, all of a sudden they get closer, they want to have a little more time, they see time is running out, they take advantage of their relationship with that person. When you know that time is limited, so you take advantage of those relationships, of your marriage, of your children, of your parents, of your friends, you take advantage of the Torah that you learn, because you know time is not forever. Like they said, the Gaume Vilna cried at his deathbed because he's not going to be able to fulfill the mitzvah of Sisit. Nobody cried. Even the Gaum didn't cry when he was alive about Sisit. But when it's about to leave you, you appreciate it more. So many things that we have every single day of our lives. Our health, our friends, our so many things that we would appreciate so much more if we knew there's something called death. And guess what? We wouldn't get upset as much as we do when we know about that. We wouldn't be as frustrated in things. I've seen people 90 years old and they're still frustrated about the stock market. They're going crazy because the market went down. They lost $3 million. Hello, you're 90 years old. <laughs> so it's, it's we. Don't you know that you're not taking anything with you? So the truth is, you know. You know up here. But you don't really know it in your live. And until you know something with your live, it doesn't translate into your actions, even if you believe it 100%. Do you know that there's something called death? 100%. Do you live with that reality? Probably not. It's not in your live. Says Shalomo Melech, 
there's a very critical shiur that's going on. What am I going to learn there? Intellectually, nothing. But the leve, a high, look at the words, yiten elibo. You're going to see someone in a box and you're going to say, oh, whoa. I can't believe it. I saw them yesterday. They were like me. I, I grew up with that person. What does that mean? How could it be? Oh, it could be. It's right there. Wow. When you see it, it doesn't touch your mind only. It touches your heart. And that's a shi'ur you don't want to miss. Give you a mashal. It's not a mashal that I want to give. But I don't have a better way of expressing it. So I hope it's only a mashal. A person opens up a newspaper on his way to work in the morning. And he sees on the front page, full front page, that there was a terrible bombing in Israel. And he's reading about it. He's seeing pictures. This many people died. This many people are hospitalized. I don't know what anyone of us would do when we reach it. We would be so upset. And there's someone watching this guy reading the paper and he sees him visibly agitated. He's not happy about what he's reading. About 30 minutes into this train ride, he sees the same guy in the back of the newspaper reading about the sports that happened the night before. Who won the game? How many points this guy scored? So he doesn't understand. He goes over to this guy and he says, Listen, I want to ask you a question. I watched you read the front pages. It looked like you were really bothered by it. Were you? He says, oh, very much. It was killing me. So he says, can I ask you, how did you turn to the sports section a minute later? How are you reading about the sports section? How, could that, how does that work? How do you go crazy about a bombing and you're reading about the sports? They don't go. You're reading comic books after? What are you doing? You're doing crossword puzzle after you read that? How, how do you do that? I think if any of us were in that situation, and I hope we never are, we would answer, I, I mean, I hear you, and you're right, sounds a little weird, but what do you want me to do? What should I do? I'm here on the train. I read about it. It is what it is. I, I, I can't change anything. I'm moving on in my life. And that would be an acceptable answer. What else could you do? What do you want from me? And I think that person would walk away and say, oh, yeah, I hear that. It's, good. it's a good answer. It's a good point. But I ask you a question. What if you were actually there? What if you actually witnessed this whole story unfold in front of your eyes? Everything they wrote about, every picture that was taken, you were actually in it. Baruch Hashem, what happened to you? You were safe. But you felt the bombs. You saw the people flying. You witnessed that blood. You saw the ambulances. You, you saw everything that they wrote about. You saw it. 
Do you think after witnessing such an event and being part of it, you could read the newspaper 30 minutes later about the sports section? No shot. My bet is you probably wouldn't be normal for another month. And maybe it could be that your whole life might change from that, just that one moment, that story. But what can I do? It doesn't matter. You can't do it. It's not possible to just move on when that happened. So the question that we all have to wonder is, wait, when you read the newspaper, you thought they were lying? Did you think they were making it up? How come it didn't make such a powerful impression on you? How come you were able to move on so quickly after you saw and read? The answer is, as much as you read and as much as you saw, it's called Yedi'at HaSechel. Yes, somebody asked you, you know what happened in Israel? I know. I know. But if you're there, you experienced it. And you hit your life. The difference between Yedi'at HaSechel and Yedi'at HaLev, as one rabbi explains so beautifully, he said, how far would it take you to fly or to walk from here to the, to the sun? How many, how many years would it take you to get there? He says, the heart and the mind have a greater distance from one to another. Just because you know something, that doesn't mean at all that you feel it. And if you don't feel it, you won't live with it. You'll be 95 and crying about a few dollars that you lost because you're just not getting it. You won't love the people in your life thinking they're there forever because you're not getting it. You're getting nervous and upset about things you don't need to get nervous about because you're not getting it. You're not utilizing your time in life because you're not getting it. That's the shiur. Of course you know, but you really don't know. You don't know. Your mind knows. You know, it's interesting when Moshe Rabbeinu was about to leave the Jewish people after so many years of beautiful years of teaching them, of struggling with them, of taking them out of Mitzrayim and dealing with their everyday challenges. Finally, he's about to leave them right before Vezot HaBerachai. He's going to give them a beautiful blessing. He gathers them and tells them the following message. By Yomer Alehim, very short message. What's going to be his final message before his blessing? What's he going to tell them? Which mitzvah is he going to work to put it into their mind, chazak? You know, everybody thinks about what would be the last thing that they want to tell their children. Sometimes people are actually aware of what they want to tell their children. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Don't, don't do that. Take care of your mother. Take care of your family. Something. What's Moshe Rabbeinu's last message to the Jewish people? It's so interesting. He doesn't really talk about any specific mitzvah. By Yomer Alehem, he says to them, Simu Levavchem, place your heart, Lechol Haddevarim, 
אשר אנוכי מעיד בכם היום. In simple English, I don't have time to translate the whole thing. It's only two pesukim. He says, שימו לבבכם. He says, you know everything I taught you for the last 40 years, from experience, from the Torah, Torah Shebichtav, Torah Shebaalpe, how much have you learned? Over, imagine, imagine spending 40 years in Moshe Rabbeinu. How much do you learn? 40 years in Moshe Rabbeinu. Unbelievable. He says, everything that I taught you is a waste of time. Unless you have a way to connect it to your lev. Simu levavchem. Again, lev means emotion. If you don't connect your knowledge to your emotion, simu levavchem, then it's going to be empty. And he says, ki lo You might think what I taught you is empty. It may feel empty sometimes when you only have knowledge up here. It feels empty. It's not doing anything in your life. You know how often we have this issue? So many things in our lives that we learn, but really nothing changes. We can learn about anger and be so excited about anger and actually learn the tools of how not to be angry and what to do when someone does this or and you find yourself, you could write a book on anger and get angry. How is that possible? You could be convinced that Lashon Hara is terrible, but you still continue to do it. So many, how many classes have we gone to? How many times have we heard messages that we walked out convinced without any doubt? Of course, this makes so much sense. How many times have I been told, oh, that was great. But I know that nothing is going to change anyone. It was great in up here. But really? Is it going to make a difference? Very often it doesn't. It's not because the person walks out saying, nah, I don't buy that. It doesn't make sense. It's not what's happening. What usually happens, sometimes it happens too, but what usually happens if the message is clear as you walk out saying, wow, yeah. Yeah, modesty is the way. Oh yeah. Shabbat, I gotta be careful with everything that I do. Oh, my tefillah, I need to upgrade that tefillah. I gotta work on my nidot, my humility. I gotta be a little more humble. I gotta be a little less fleshy. I got. We walk out of there, all these messages, and we're saying, yeah, we're ready, we're in. But what happens most of the time is nothing changes. And if someone would ask you, what you learned today? You'll repeat the whole thing from beginning to end. And you'll be so excited about it. But nothing has changed in your life. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling them. Simu levavchem. After all the shiurim that we went through, you better connect the link to your lev. By the way, just as an aside, nothing to do with emunah. This is a huge piece of information to keep in mind and helps us a lot in life when it comes to others and ourselves. When it comes to others, I'll give you an example. How many times has it happened to you where you told your son, your daughter, your student, okay, listen, it's getting out of hand. You cannot do this anymore. 
got caught doing something that he shouldn't be doing. Maybe he was disturbing. Maybe he was, I don't know. That's it. We had a long talk. You spoke to him. You explained to him. Everything clear. Okay. You understand? You got it? Are you going to do it again? Mommy? Never. That's it. And he looks so sincere. You could almost feel his words coming out with such sincerity. I understand. I got it. I feel bad. That's it. I'd come. And then a week later, you get a phone call. Um, we'd like to talk to you about your son. So, hello. What happened? He did what? What? We spoke. And what are you saying in your mind? Shakran, this kid is. <laughs> such a shakran. Such a liar. I sat with him. Okay, tell me I'm not going to do it. Tell me I don't understand. Tell me, but to tell me I'm understanding, that's it. Done. You gave me your word. And you pull your son to the sides of you. Again, you lied to me again. Didn't we have an agreement? This happens with your children. This happens with your students. It happens with your friends. But really, it's not really what happened. You you read the story wrong. And if you don't know what really happened, you're going to misinterpret and misguide. What happened here is not a person who lied. It's not what happened. It's a person who told you yes because he understood exactly what you were saying. And guess what? In his mind, he thought, this is it. The problem is, it never reached his left. He's still the same person as he was before he walked into the room with you. So while intellectually he tells you, I understand, which he does, and he says, I for sure, that's it, I'm in. He was intellectually in, but his lev is not there yet. He's still the same person. So if you accuse him of being a shakran, you really miss the boat. You're not helping him. You're making him feel like a bad person. He's not an evil person. Better explain to him why this happened. While you, you, you said you wanted to and you understood, but if you don't put it in your heart, now how to do that, it's a different, maybe later on we'll talk about that. But that's really what happened is how to take the information and connect it to the left and make it a part of you. If you're a rabbi or a teacher and you don't know this, you're dead. There's no way you can continue. Here you are, you prepare for a class. And you get up and you speak about the most important subject in Judaism. And you give it your all. And you're excited. And hopefully you'll Hashem Shemayim. And you want people to really take it in and really make a difference in your life. Otherwise, why are you wasting your time? You go learn. I'd much rather learn sometimes than prepare classes. But I know I have a responsibility. Okay, I'm in. I'm going to make a difference. And you get hundreds of people. They come and they listen. And you hit it. Boom. Rabbi, beauty. Wow, class and modesty. Psh, amazing. Ladies come over after. Rabbi, unbelievable. I never heard that before. Amazing. What a message. Hit my heart. Talk about Torah learning. Guys come over to you, Rabbi, I never realized. Wow. Whatever subject you could talk about, 
if you did a good job, you have people saying, wow, unbelievable. And if you're not an experienced rabbi, you walk out of there saying, wow. Give yourself a pat on the back. Say, you know, you're a big man, you're a big tzaddik. What a master you are. Look at this. You changed the lives of hundreds of people in one shot, in 30 minutes. You got to do it. And that high will last you till the next time you see those people. That's it. Because the next time you see them, you realize they're the same people that you had before the class. Not the one after, the one before. If you spoke about tefillah and not talking, they came and say, oh, wow. Amazing, yeah, you have to pray the right way. They're all talking. That was, I spoke this morning, and you told me it was a great class. I don't understand. We spoke about seniut. What is that? What just happened? I don't, I don't understand. We spoke about how this, that. You have no idea, and you will feel so demoralized. You will feel like you're zero because you're doing nothing. You're just spinning wheels. You're talking and talking and talking. And even when they tell you it's great, nothing happens. So what are you doing? Imagine teaching a class of young men or young ladies. And as you talk and you talk, nothing changes. I'm sure you feel that way as parents sometimes. Nothing matters. You just talk and talk. You're exhausted from talking. <coughs> nothing is making a difference. These people are not sincere. These people are just shakranim. They're just flattering you. They don't really care about anything. And if that's your attitude about your children or your students, you can never help anybody. But knowing today what we learned, it's a very big, big wealth, a big rechush that we have acquired for ourselves. Because now I walk into a class, or I walk into my house with my daughter, with my son, with my friend who's struggling with something and I had a whole talk with them and all of a sudden they're still not doing anything they agreed they would do. I don't look at them as evil liars. They're just not there. Meaning, they heard me. Intellectually they said, awesome, great, love it. Intellectually they were all there. But the human doesn't change through his intellect. The human changes through his live. And that takes a very long time. You know, sometimes you have students, when you say something once, they got it. They don't have to review. They got it. They're brilliant. Hashem gave them this mind. They just get it. And some students, you could review it 150 times, and they're still struggling to figure it out. Hashem created each person differently. Different talents, different things. You have to know that the live is the student that needs the most help. The mind, say it once, say it twice, three times, he gets it. The live, you gotta keep going. You gotta keep going again and again and again and again. And never think that what you've done is worthless. Never think, oh, so what am I talking for if nothing ever happens? I'm talking to insincere people, it's not true. You're talking to sincere people. But they need the live, needs more lessons. Needs to hear it once. You know, sometimes, I remember, I'll never forget this. So I went to Israel, and uh, I go sometimes to visit boys who are learning there. So I went, I went to see some of the boys. One of the boys tells me, Rabbi, I, you don't know what happened to me. I'm totally, totally 
and I'm excited. I'm doing. I said, how? Like, what happened? Now, I know the guy for four years. Day after day, I said, you know, Rabbi, we're learning this book. Changed my life. I wish that someone was teaching this book to us. Where was this book for four years? I'm learning this book now. And I feel like I found a gold mine. Everything he says is like, wow. So what book did you learn? He's learning Mesilat Yesharim. Tell me you've been learning Mesilat Yesharim for four years. <laughs> he never even realized he's learning Mesilat Yesharim. And now all of a sudden he discovered in Israel the new book of the century called Mesilat Yesharim. Every time you speak, you mention Mesilat Yesharim. Where is this book? Where has it been? How come they've been hiding it from us? The answer is that what you see five years later is a product of four years. You just keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And then at some point, all of a sudden, the guy says, oh, wow, I just discovered it. And you're laughing. You just discovered it? I've been, your ears are ringing already from how many times I said it. But that's what happens. Even the person, after they get it, they forgot how they got it. But as a person who understands Yedi'ata Sechel and Yedi'ata Hush, you have more patience with people. You have to know they are sincere. They're good people. They really want. But they need to hear it a hundred times. And after, by the way, they may not even thank you. Because they won't even, they think they discovered it on their own. You're helping your daughter to be Tsanua. And one day she'll think she's Tsanua because of her. She never realized that all the times you've been talking to her, that's a, it's an unbelievable thing. That your son will think he decided to learn Torah on his own. He, didn't, he will never put together that you have been giving him that message. And so many things are like that. So don't expect appreciation. Don't expect people to say, oh wow, you saved my life. Don't expect that. Because people won't realize. They don't realize. And don't give up on anybody. And not only others, ourselves too. And sometimes we look at ourselves and say, well, you know what, I've been going to classes, what has really been changing? Am I really doing anything different? But the truth is, we are. A person doesn't realize it, but little by little, that student, that weak student called the Lev, the Lev is not a strong student. He needs a lot of help. He needs extra tutoring, he needs extra review. That Lev, every time he hears, you go out of the class, you hear something. Now, you might think you changed. People will ask, which class changed your life? And he'll say, oh, it was the 185th one. The first 185 didn't do it. But the 185th one, oh, that was the one. And everyone is looking to find, what's the 185? What are you saying that 185? And people will put on the 185 and nothing happens to them. Because it wasn't really the 185th. It was 185. Each and every experience builds the love. Very important information. That was parentheses. Back to our subject. When it comes to emuna, this information becomes super critical. You can walk out of here every single week saying, and of course, I'm Amina. Oh, forget about it. I got it. But this man said, makes sense. I got it. And you walk out on a high. The only thing is, the minute you leave the building, you're back to the same person you were before you walked in. 
You haven't changed. You're the same person. And you must know that. And there are ways to get to the level. With Hashem's help, we'll learn about that too. But you first have to know what the situation is. Every time you walk out of a shiur, that's your situation. Now the question is, how does it become part of Yediyatahush? That's why the Pasuk is so careful. Habakkuk says, Vetzadik be'emunato yehyeh. Look at that word, yehyeh. And a great person, a righteous person, be'emunato, with his emunah, yehyeh. He will live. Which means, knowing emunah, writing books on emunah, repeating classes of emunah, doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's a start. That's not where you're supposed to be. How do you measure emuna? By how much you believe? No. By how much you know? No. Of course, you have to believe and you have to know, but that's not really the measurement. The measurement is how alive is it by you? Is it real in every moment and step in your life? That is the measurement. Hazal tell us, in Adam Nokef Etzbaolemata, a person cannot even move a finger down here unless they allow him to move it from up there. Do you feel that? Is that something you live with? Or does Emunah come to you on the weekends? Or it comes to you when something great happens or something terrible happens? What is Emunah doing in your life? Is it alive by you? Or is it a department in your brain? You know, today Hashem gave us computers, we could learn a lot from them. In the computer that we have, there is something called a hard drive. A hard drive is where you store all files. You could store endless amount of information in those hard drives. And then there is the operating system of the computer. That's the brain, the, the one that operates the computer. If you put any information in the hard drive, it does nothing to the computer. The computer is still running the same way. Unless you change the, hard, the, the operating system, you haven't changed the computer. And that's what happens to us. We learn and we learn and we put in the hard drive. It's like putting in the storage. Storage, 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 storage. But unless it's living with you, so you haven't really made it a part of your life. Let me tell you something beautiful that the Ben Ishai says in a book called Ben Yehoyada. So Hazal tell us this pasuk that I just mentioned in Habakkuk. Vetzadik be'emunato yahyeh. Says the Ben Yehuda in a brilliant explanation. He says that the word emunah, if you add the letters, numerical value of emunah is 102. He says that if you take emunah times 2, to emunah, it adds up to 204, which spells the word tzaddik. Tzaddik is 204, which means that emunah of the mind is necessary. You have to know, otherwise you're a blind man, you're a blind person. But that emunah is not enough. Now you need the second emunah. 
the emunah of the lev. So two emunahs, one emunah doesn't make a tzaddik. Two emunahs together, then you have tzaddik. He says, that's why it says ve tzaddik. Be emunato. Be is two. Be emunato. Two emunah, he will be able to live with that emunah. That's what the Gita Melech says in Tehillim. Libi upsari yerannenu el el hai. Says the Gita Melech, there are people who say Tehillim, people who sing songs to Hashem, people who write poetry to Hashem. He says, but me, libi upsari, it's not only my body, that's my lips, just the words that come out of my mouth. Libi, libi means my heart. Upsari yerannenu. Yerannenu means they're singing, they're excited. Look at the words he uses. El el hai. I speak to a living God. That sounds weird. Is there a dead God? What does that mean? He, looks to, he talks to a living God. Isn't God alive? Isn't that, how can, how can it be otherwise? What does that mean? Do you have to say that there's a living God? Do you have to say the living person was walking? If the person was walking, he's obviously living. What does that mean, the living God? What does it mean when we say in the morning, Melech Hai Vekayam, the living king? What does that mean? What, what's the other side of the coin? The other side is what most of us, unfortunately, are living with. Where as far as our live is concerned, Hashem is not real. It's not alive. It's not alive. He's in some department somewhere, closed off. Once in a while you reach for him. Maybe on Kippur you call him. Maybe if you have an issue, you call him. In the morning maybe you think you try to talk to him. But he's not alive. He's not, he's not with you. Alive means that you have a relationship with him. Alive means that when you pray, you actually talk to him. And it means when you learn Torah, you actually hear him talk to you. When you walk out of this class, did you hear Rabbi Yedid speak? Did you hear the Torah speak? If you're an El Hai, so you heard God speak to you. Is God talking to you? Or are you reading a book? Is it the scroll that taught you? Is it the letters that taught you? Is it the human that taught you? No. If you are El Hai, like David Amelech, you would literally hear God talking to you. Because God is alive by you. Of course God's alive. But for most people, not alive by them. It's not high. It's not live. It's like a pre-recorded event that you pull up. You know, you have a pre-recorded movie that you pull up when you want to listen to it. For most people, that's how God is. When you need them, you just pull them up sometimes. It's not live stream. When you have live stream, you can't miss it. It's live. It's right now. It's high. Libi upsari, the highest level of emunah, is not just to know that en od milvado, there's nobody besides Hashem. That knowledge has to be high, has to be living with the person, to live with Hashem. To live with Hashem is the greatest pleasure in life. It is the greatest pleasure that a human can experience. Lehit aneg. Al Hashem. Someone who hasn't experienced that will never understand what that is. 
But Baruch Hashem, sometimes we have these experiences and we have these, like, wow, like you get inspired and you feel something. That's like a dot of what it means, lehit aneg al Hashem. To live with Hashem, first of all, is calm. To live with Hashem, there's no fear. I told you this a couple of times. I'll say it again because it's appropriate. In Israel, once walking, I saw a, a bumper sticker, a beautiful bumper sticker. I'll never forget it. It must be beautiful because I forget things very quickly. It says, Ha-mefahed me'ehad lo mefahed me'af-ehad. If you have fear of Hashem, if you're aware of Hashem in your life, you're not scared of anyone. You're not scared of anything. What, what, what's, what are you scared about? You're living with the creator of the world. What are you scared of? You do it, just be scared that you don't lose that relationship. That's the only thing you should fear. The only thing to be scared about. If you live with Hashem, every conversation is meaningful. Every time you have an assignment, you know it's from Him. Your mom says, could you pick me up? Well, that's not your mom. That's God talking to you. If you have a situation and you have to get up and do something you weren't interested in doing, hey, God's talking to you. Hashem talks to us every day in life. He puts us in this situation, in that situation, in this class, in that. You know why you're hearing this today? Because Hashem wants you to hear it. I'm not talking to you. Hashem is talking to you. To live with Hashem means what I learn, what I experience, what people are doing to me or asking of me. It's all a back and forth. I have a havruta in life. My havruta is the creator of the world. That's what David Amelach says in Tehilim. Shiviti Hashem lenegdi tamid. I live literally with Hashem. People might say, well, how do you do that? Don't you have to eat? Yeah, even when you eat, you see Hashem. Don't you have to buy from somebody? Yeah, when you buy from somebody, say thank you. That's part of your relationship with Hashem. He's, he's Hashem's son, right? With that guy. The guy that you're talking to, he is Hashem's son. You know how nice it is to treat somebody's son the right way? Well, that, that's his son. Every person you see, that's their child. Oh, wow. I, gotta be, so I have a responsibility for that child. I have a relationship with that man. What do you mean? I'm married to him. I gotta take care of his child. Everything in life is going through teva, but you're seeing Hashem in every situation. He's guiding you, he's teaching you, he sometimes has to punch you, could be. Slap you sometimes, could be. But whatever the situation is, that's your relationship with him. Shiviti Hashem Lenegdi Tamid. Tamid means always. This is the highest level of emunah. Ki mimini. Mimini, does anyone ever forget their right hand? They ever forget they have a right hand? You never forget you have a right hand. That's what David Melech was able to graduate. He wasn't given this at birth. This is what he had to accomplish in his life. And that's the greatest accomplishment of a human on this planet. That's why by Noah, it says by Noah, we don't know much about Noah. Torah says, Ele toledot Noah. Noah, Ish, Tzadik, Tamim. He was a Tzadik. He was a Tamim. How? What did he do? We have no idea. Torah doesn't really say why he was a Tzadik or a Tamim. Why he was complete. Why he was a righteous person. But it does say one thing. Et, et ha-Elohim hit ha-lech Noah. 
says one detail. Noah, he walked with Hashem. Noah walked with Hashem. Okay, what else? Tell me more about him. Did he uh, keep Shabbat? Was he good at Hesed? Did he? Guess what? If you say that, there's nothing else to be said. Et ha Elohim hitalech Noah. Noah walked with Hashem. Means he lived with Hashem. Hanoch. We see in the Torah also. Who is Hanoch? What's special? He was a big tzaddik in those years. Hanoch walked, he lived with Hashem. If that doesn't impress you, because you're like, Noah, who's Noah? I don't know, Hanoch. How about Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov? What was special about these people? It's unbelievable. And Yaakov is talking to Yosef about his fathers, and he's giving a beracha to Yosef and his children. And he references his avot. He says, Asher hithalechu avotai lefanav. You know who my avot are? Abraham, Yitzhak. You know who they are? So, they have Torah, they have mitzvot, they have the Hashem. He describes them as the people who walked with Hashem. That's the way... Yaakov saw the greatness of Abraham and Yitzhak. While we, we read all the different things about them, but they all point to the same thing. Whether it's Abraham's kindness, or Abraham's tefillah, or Abraham's compassion, they all come to the same point. That they walked with Hashem. And when you live with Hashem, all of a sudden you talk different, you treat people different, you react different, you spend your time differently. Everything changes. It's like the pill that just makes everything else different. That's how Yaakov viewed his father and grandfather. But even people like Noah, and even great people, Tzadik, yet the Pasuk says about him, by the way, an example, just to give you an example, of Abraham Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, how they lived with Hashem, you'll see sometimes in the Torah, for example, by Abraham, for example, it says, I'm sure you've seen this before, Vayisa Einav, he lifted his eyes, Vayar, and he saw. Now that is two extra words. Obviously, if somebody saw, they have to lift their eyes. No human has ever seen anything without lifting their eyes. Why do you have to tell me? Vayisa enav. Vayakov it says, Vayisa Yaakov raglav. He lifted his feet and he walked. Obviously, if you're going to walk, you have to lift your feet. You know, it's not, it's not an ice skating rink. You have to lift your feet and walk. But the Torah is reminding us that when they walked, they walked with Hashem. They actually thought about it. They said, oh wait, what does Hashem want me to do right now? He wants me to see? Okay, let me lift my eyes. He wants me to walk? What's my new assignment? Oh, now I gotta lift my feet. We don't, we don't just walk. We're not on that level. But they don't just walk somewhere. They don't just look at something. 
They have to actually tell their eyes, now it's time to look. Now it's time to walk. By Noah, this tzaddik tamim, when it came to the teva, he's building 120 years, he's building a teva. Hashem gave him ample warning. And he built it. The Pasuk says that finally the rains came. And it talks about how Noah and his wife and children entered the Teva. So me and you think the time was up, the bell rang, and they said, okay, it's been 120, nothing changed. Rain's coming. Oh, I see the clouds right there. Okay, let's go. That's not what happened. Pasuk says, Vayavo Noah ubanav ve'ishto unshebanav ito elateva. Nice. So far, so good. Innocent. Mipene mehamabul, which means that the water literally pushed them in the teva. In other words, they saw a cloudy. Who says? They saw rain. Okay, it's rain sometimes. They saw very heavy rains. Okay, that happens also once in a while. Torrential rains. Until finally, they got to the point they couldn't. They couldn't stay alive. They ran in mipene mehamabul. They didn't run into the teva because Hashem told them. They ran in because the water pushed them. How could that be? Says Rashi. Noah. Af Noah. Afnoah means even Noah, that Sadiq Tamim, Mikatne Amana. His emuna was Katan. Doesn't mean he was a small man. We know he's a great man. But he didn't reach the highest level of emuna. Hayam Ma'amin. I'm sorry, Hayam. Ma'amin, Veno Ma'amin. He had emuna, obviously. He built a Teva. So he had emuna. He definitely had emuna. You can't beat Sadiq Tamim without emuna. That's not a possible possibility. So he was ma'amin, but yet eno ma'amin. How could that be? Before today's class, he said, what does that mean? You're ma'amin, but you're not ma'amin? Either you're ma'amin or you're not No. You're ma'amin, but it's still not totally part of your reality. It's not high by you. And even Noah, with his greatness, had to be pushed into the Torah. Unlike what it says by Kaleb and Yoshua, we know out of the 12 spies that went from Moshe Rabbeinu to spy out the land, 10 of them didn't make it. Two, they passed with flying colors. What was the difference between them? So the Pasuk says about Kaleb, look, look at the words the Torah uses about him. Ve'avdi Kalev. Oh, Kalev. It's different. He says, Vaymale Aharai. Aharai means, he followed me. Look at the word Hashem uses. Vaymale. Vaymale means, he was completely full. Which means, don't think the other Miraglim were slouches. They, they picked the greatest Kulam Anashim. They picked great people who had emunah too. But the difference of Yoshua and Kalev is not if he had emunah or not. Vaymaleh. Maleh means he reached emunah till the top. 
It was so real, it filled the cup completely. And by the way, that's what Abraham Avinu was doing his whole life. Abraham Avinu reached Emunav Hashem in a very young age. As I'll say three, some say maybe a little older than that. He already was a Ma'amin at a young age. So why is it that God only spoke to him when he was 75? What was God waiting for? You know, if a person reaches a certain level of spirituality, he becomes a Navi. What was Hashem waiting for? If he reached Emunah at a young age, why only speak to him at the age of 75? And the answer is, even though he was a Ma'amin at a young age, but that that Emunah became high and become Maleh, become everything in his life, that needed 70 years to take care. It's a work. Emunah is constant work. Nobody could say, I reached Emunah. Because even though you reach, there's more to reach. And there's more to reach. And there's more to reach. Like the Hazonish says, that the world around us it is the enemy of our Emunah. Our eyes are the enemy of Emunah. Our mouth, like we spoke last week. The events that happen around us, the news that we watch, the reporting that we have, all the different things that go on in our lives. We have to go to the doctor, we have to go work. All that is a system which by nature weakens the person's Emunah. And that's why he says you need Hizuk always. You need to strengthen yourself. And living or growing up in a home of emunah, it's not going to cut it for you. Let's say you grew up in a house of ma'aminim, your parents, your grandparents, emunah, emunah, and you got it from them. And you think that you also ma'amin. It could be that you're off the mark. It could be that you got from them something, but you haven't put it on play. It's there, somewhere, it's there, and you even sometimes talk about it. And maybe even repeat some of the words that you heard from them. But it's not real. It's not high. And I'll give you a beautiful Torah source for this important principle. <coughs> the Pasuk says, Vezacharti et beriti Yaakov. Hashem says, I will remember. This is talking about when Am Yisrael will be in Galut, in difficult situations. Hashem says, I'm not going to forget them. Vezacharti, I will remember. Et beriti, my covenant with Yaakov. Ve'af et beriti, Yitzhak. I will also remember my covenant with Yitzhak. Ve'af et beriti, Abraham. And I will also remember my berit with Abraham. Question is, seems to be out of order. Why is Hashem mentioning Yaakov and then Yitzhak and then Abraham? That's not the right way to say it. So the Sabbath Mikhelm says a beautiful thought. This is describing the greatness of each one of the Avot. Abraham was a man who lived in a home of idol worshippers. Everything was against. Everything was off. 
Everything was Tum'ah. And he was a self-made man, literally. Like a Baal Teshuvah Some people grow up totally. No, they know nothing. They didn't learn in school. They didn't really have a home. They didn't have... They're all people like that. They're self-made people. They're unbelievable. They have such a passion. Abraham was a self-made man. He tail says the Rambam. He started. He started. That's big. Yitzhak grew up in the home of Abraham and Sarah. He grew up in yeshiva. He grew up in the holiest yeshiva in the world. Yaakov, he grew up in a better yeshiva. He had not only his parents, he had his grandparents. Unbelievable. But says the Pasuk, don't think that Yitzhak and Yaakov just took what they were given and assumed that they they're good. That's it. I got it. I grew up in Abraham's house. I'm good. No, no. V'zacharti et b'riti Yaakov. Yaakov, he knew that just because you got it from Yitzhak and Abraham, if you don't take it and bring it home, it's not going to be alive by you. As it says, V'zacharti et b'riti Yaakov. Yaakov independently was a great person. Even though he had great parents, but it didn't come because of that, because he was independent. He internalized it. He made it real. And Yitzhak also. And of course, Abraham. We see the emunah of Yaakov. Yaakov was, you know, you read the Pesukim sometimes, things you never notice, but like, so obvious. The emunah of Yaakov, the man ran away. He's 14 years in Yeshiva, 74 years old. He needs to get married. Finally finds a woman that he thinks could be the builder of the Jewish people. He finds a woman like no other, Rahel Imenu. So great is this woman, despite her father is a Rasha, that he's willing to make a deal to work seven years for free. For her. No man, I think, in history has worked seven years for his wife for free. I don't, I don't think so. I think maybe women would like that. But I don't, I don't imagine that any man was willing to work seven years with no pay just to make sure he guarantees and secures that woman. You just imagine. what this. See, he's not a young person. He's not 12. He's waiting seven years till he hits 19. He's an old man. He needs to get married. I saw already he has wives. He's rolling. And finally, after seven years, this man literally tricks him. He gives him a different girl. Look at the reaction. Says Yaakov Avinu, Vayomer el Laban. You know what the word Vayomer means in Hebrew? In Hebrew, you could say things to somebody in different ways. There's Vayomer, there's Vaydaber. Vaydaber is when you talk with a little more kawah. Sometimes Hashem tells Moshe, Vaydaber Adonai. Strong. Sometimes, Vayomer. Gotta be a little more calm. What would you think is the next word that comes out of your mouth when you work seven years for somebody and the, and the guy switches on you? Okay? You're lucky if you're even able to talk. You'd probably, you'd probably be throwing things. Vayomer elavan. Like as if he's talking to somebody 
by Yassim Ha'an, you pull over and say, I want to ask you a question. He tells him, Mazot Asitali, what have you done to me? With that tone. So what have you done? Well, how come that happened? As if you asked, like, your wife, like, how come you made this for breakfast today? Velamarimitani, so why did you trick me? That's the tone. Who does that? And then, what is the the answer of Lavan? The great answer. He tells him, "Lo kem bim komen." So we have a minhag over here. We have a custom here. We can't give the younger girl before the older girl. Hello, where was the minhag seven years ago? That's not that's not an answer. It's an answer. And guess what? So okay, he accepts it. Yaakov is not a, a pushover. Yaakov is a very powerful man, as we see in the Torah, and, and by, by the well when he pushed the rock. But he understood sometimes, sometimes in life, even if it's not fair and it's not right, there's nothing to do. You're dealing with Laban, and there's nothing to do. So you just got to move forward. Le'azet, le'azet. You know what? I'll work another seven years. Now, the next seven years that you work, are you going to come in on time? To be honest. Are you going right? to put in all your energy in that one? No way. No shot. People today get paid millions of dollars and all they work. You're not, you're not going to work for that? Are you kidding? You, you, you stole my wife. What are you talking about? So I told you I'll work for you just to make you happy, but it's not, not really working. The Midrash says, no, no. The Midrash says, Ma harishonot shlemot, af ha'aharonot shlemot. The years, seven years, were exactly like the seven years. Just like the rishonot be'emuna, here literally it means that he was ne'eman to Laban, he was as ne'eman to Lavan the next seven years. But perhaps the Midrash is really saying something more than that. That what, how, where, do you, where do you get that strength? Emunah. Yaakov had tremendous emunah. And look what happened to him, by the way. Right before that story, when he was running from Esav, it says, now Yaakov has nothing. Zero. No money. No wife. No, nothing. And he's going to Lavan. He has no home. He has no parents. He has someone trying to kill him. What happens? He laid down somewhere. And he has a dream. He has a prophecy. Now, we know, Hazal tell us, before you can get a prophecy, one thing you need is Simha. Without Simha, you can forget prophecy. You have to be Sameach. That is a critical ingredient of Simha. Of 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 Nebuah, prophecy. Could you, Yaakov Avinu, at that moment in his life, he's running away fourteen years. He has no home to go to. There's no way he knows he's going to end up in a place that's not so great. And and guess what? Yes, Simha, he's Sameach, and so Sameach he gets a dream. What kind of dream? A prophecy. That only happens with Emunah. Yaakov Avinu worked on his emunah. Yaakov Avinu understood just because you grew up in a house where emunah was spoken about 
and practiced, that doesn't mean that you got emunah alive by you. I will leave you with this message. Before that message, I'll quote you the Alishur. Alishur says, Hashomer Torah umitzvot. One who keeps mitzvot and keeps Torah, derech maase avotav beyadav, which means he's doing it as ask him. So, how come you keep Shabbat? My father taught us very well. So, why do you learn Torah? That's the home I grew up in. That's a person keeping mitzvot. Maase avotav beyadav. Hadla haTorah liyot etzlo Torah tayim, which means the Torah by him no longer is a living Torah. It's like asking, you forgive me, asking a person. So why are you waiting by a red light when the cars are coming? See, my father told me many years ago, you don't cross the street when there are speeding cars. That's a real hazy case. <laughs> You're not crossing the street at 40 years old because your father told you not to cross when there are cars coming. I mean, he may have told you that. You don't know yet that you shouldn't cross yet. You have to use your father for that. If you keep Torah and mitzvot just as a product of your upbringing, he says the Torah is no longer alive by you. It's dead. Yaakov, Yitzhak, Abraham. There was a... There was a there's a great rabbi, <clears> Tekdushat <throat> Alevi. He went to visit, he was married, and he went for some time to go with his, to visit his rabbi. His father-in-law wasn't so happy that he left his wife. So when he came back, he was like trying to like nudge him a little bit. He said, yes, what did you do over there? What did you learn over there? Like, like can you look, what, this, this rabbi's here also. He's over there, he tells his father-in-law. He says, Lamati, I learned by my rabbi, there's a Borei Olam. His father-in-law, this is a joke, he calls the housekeeper in. He says, tell me, is there Borei Olam? He says, of course, yes, Borei Olam. He says, you went to your rabbi in the next town? You left your family to go learn there's a Borei Olam? The housekeeper knows Borei Olam. What are you going there for? He says, I know she says there's a Borella. But when I go to my rabbi, I know there's a Borella. I feel there's a Borella. There are certain people that you see and talk to or visit. You don't have to actually say it. I need your daya. I need to go there so I can know, not just say the words. There's a beautiful pasuk that I want to end off. A pasuk in Micha, which the Gemara in Masechet Makot explains to us, probably not the way we would have explained it. Micha says that in his generation, there used to be where people were able to work and elevate themselves in many, many different areas all at once. 
They're working on anger and on humility and on Torah learning and on Sinyut and on They're doing it all. Great people, giants. But then the generations kind of went down and people were limited in their ability to focus, like today. I'm sure they were better than today, but today we see that people can't focus. So, Micha says, I'm going to tell you three things. The Gemara says, not the Pasuk. He never said the word three. The Gemara says, Kem Micha ve'he'emidan al shalosh. He told them, you know what, guys? Just focus on three. That's it. What's the three? So the Pasuk, the Gemara quotes, is the following Pasuk. Higid lecha adam matov. Let me tell you, Adam, what's good for you? Here, here's the three. Says the Gemara. Kiim asot mishpat. Asot mishpat says the Gemara, meaning the din, following the laws. Ve'ahavat hesed and to love kindness. Ve'hatsneya lechet im elohecha and to walk with Hashem with sinyot, with modesty. Says the Gemara, three things. Work on your mishpat, work on your hesed, and work on your hatsneya lechet to walk with Hashem. Now the truth is, if I would have seen this pasuk, I would never think there's three things in it. I would think there's only two things in it. There is asot mishpat, there's the din to do the laws, fulfill the laws, and love kindness, and when you do Aleph and Bet, do it, you could do the laws or Hesed with a lot of noise. Or you could do it, do it with the Tzinyot. You can give charity and make a lot of noise with it. Or you can give charity and nobody knows. So Hatzne'a is not a third item. Hatzne'a seems to be, if I would read it, a description of how to do A and B. Yet the Gemara says, He'amidan al-shalosh. He told them three things. Mishpat, which is din, hesed, and hatsne'a lechet imelokha. Why is that a third thing? The Gemara says in Masechet Hagi, listen to this Gemara. The Gemara says, Amar Rabbi Yitzhak. Kol ha'over avera baseter. Anybody who sins privately. Let me explain what that means. It means that he would never do this in publicly. He's embarrassed to do it publicly. But privately, he'll do it. Call ha'over avera baseter ke'ilu dohek ragle shechina. It's as if he's pushing away the shechina. Rashi says, omer beliba. Meaning, when you do something privately that you wouldn't do outside, you're making, it's not just the avera that you're doing. You're making a very big statement. You're saying something. Omer belibo. And the most important part of you is your life. Omer belibo. You're not saying it with your mouth. It's not, it's not your brain either saying it. It's your left saying it. Omer belibo. You know what your left is saying? You're not saying a word. But your left is screaming. En hashechina kan. Hashem not alive. Hashem is not here. Any time a person says the Gemara, 
Again, if a person doesn't know better, he has a hard time, he struggles, something else. But if you're the type of person who certain things you will not do outside because you know it's wrong and you're embarrassed, yet when you go into private, you will, your live is making a big statement. You're saying Hashem is not here. Because if Hashem is here, what's the difference if you're here or there? And that is the reason why Hatznea Lechet is its own department. Just like, just like, when you do something wrong privately, you're saying, Hashem is not here. You know how you could affect your live? How you can make your live more, we'll call it, alive with the emunah of your mind? How could you get there? And next week we'll talk a lot more about that. But today I wanted to leave off with something so you shouldn't walk out totally. There's something that you can do every day besides the law, besides the hesed. There's another department called where the live of the person, not the words, the words, sometimes they're empty. The mind for sure sometimes empty. But if you can have your live talk, oh, that's big. How do I get my live to talk? That's what I need. I need that. How do you get your left to talk? When you are acting with tzini'ut, when you do mitzvot and you do hesed, when you pray the same way as you do in shul, as you pray at home. When you make a beracha around people, in the same way you make it at home. When you are behind closed doors and nobody sees, and yet you still come. When you're around people, you seem so calm. Oh, wow. Can't believe it. You ever have a, a disaster in your house brewing? Everyone's screaming? And someone walks in from the outside? Goes, Hi, how you doing? So, everyone walks in and is like, wow. What a, what a house. This is unbelievable. Such calmness. Beautiful. But when you can act behind closed doors with the same sensitivity and passion as you're outside, so you're not just doing a nice mitzvah, a nicer mitzvah. No, no, no. You're saying, Omer, yes, Shekhinah kan, libo Omer. Your heart is talking more than your words, more than any class that you go to. When you have situations in life, again, it could be a beracha, it could be a mitzvah, it could be a hasad, it could be the way you treat people behind closed doors. Maybe it's a, the way you speak to a secretary. It's the times in your life where people aren't watching, you're not getting credit for it. And yet you're still aware and you're still doing it the right way. You're praying at home, nobody's watching you. And you pray like you're in front of a thousand people, like you're the Hazan in front of a thousand people. Wow. That's called Omer Belibo. You are sparking your live. He'amidan al-shalosh. There's three things here. There is Din, there's Hesed, and there's something called Emunah. 
But why did why not just say emuna? Say emuna. No, He's trying to ignite your emuna. He's trying to tell you the emuna that comes from your lip. And you know how to do that? Through Hatsneya Lechet. Make sure that you try in your privacy to be as great as you are when people appreciate it on the outside. That's a big deal. That's a big builder of real emuna. And I end by telling you what the Gemara says on this pasuk. The Gemara says, okay, could you give me some examples of Hatsneya Lechet? Now, I wish I had time to sit here and wait for your response on this question. Could you please give me what you think? Let's pass some papers around and we'll write down what are some situations in life that would be a Hatsneya Lechet moment, a Hatsneya Lechet opportunity. And each one would write whatever they write. But I'll tell you one thing. You'll never write what the Gemara wrote. Guaranteed, you can give this paper to a million Jews and not one will write what the Gemara writes. And the Gemara gives two examples. That means you'll be over two. You will not get it. Impossible. Says the Gemara, Hatsneya Lechet, here goes. Are you ready? Says the Gemara, Hatsneya Lechet. Hachnasat Kala. Go to a wedding. When you go to a wedding to do a mitzvah, when you go to a wedding, don't forget, you're doing a mitzvah. You're building the future home of these people. It's a beautiful mitzvah, like we mentioned earlier. So what's a mitzvah that you could do? Hatsneya Lechet? When you attend a wedding. The other example they give is now, if there were two mitzvot in Judaism that have the most public, if I told you the two mitzvot that are done in front of the eyes of everybody, not one, not ten, not hundreds of people, this would be the two. So the two anti-Hatzneya Lechet mitzvot, if you ask me, would be these two. And yet the Gemara says, give me an example, give me two examples of Hatzneya Lechet. They give examples of the most public mitzvot. How could you go to a wedding, bitzni'ud? They're not talking about clothing here. They're talking about doing the mitzvah, bitzni'ud. How could you do it, bitzni'ud, when everybody sees you? How could you go to a levaya with sni'ud? It's impossible. The nature of the mitzvah is public. Tell me to pray, Bitzniut. Tell me to do kindness, Bitzniut. You read this Gemara, what are they talking about? But Hazal, know how to read the words. It says, Behatzneya lechet. It doesn't say, Behatzneya in Elohecha. Hatzneya lechet. Lechet means when you're doing something and you're walking, you're not sitting in your house. So, what do they mean by that then? So, what, what, so what does it mean? It means like this. It means there's nothing more private in your life than your thoughts. Even in your house, you're not 100% private. Even when the doors are closed, you never know who could walk in. Sometimes you see, you know, guys learning, so maybe somebody will walk in and catch me learning. And you'll see I'm learning bits new. They'll notice. Maybe somebody will notice that I actually give money when nobody knows. 
So even as you do things without anybody seeing, you never know in your mind if you're really thinking about you and Hashem, is it you and Hashem here? Or you never know who might notice you. It's always a good thing, especially if they notice that you're Tzanua about it. It's beautiful. It's the next level. So nowhere is really private except your thoughts. Your thoughts and my thoughts are the most private area in our lives. Nobody knows our thoughts. Baruch Hashem, no one knows our thoughts. We'll all be in trouble. But there is a great opportunity of Hatsneyat Lechet. Like where? At a wedding. You're sitting at a wedding. There's a thousand people at that wedding. But what are you thinking when you're there? Do you think that you're there and you're annoyed to be there? I can't wait to go. I can't wait to invite me again. <laughs> are you thinking about how everybody in this room is going to come over and tell you how beautiful you look? How they're going to notice you? What are, you? what are you thinking about when you're at a wedding? What are you thinking about? Nobody knows that. Nobody can ever know that. Well, there are some people who sit in a wedding and say, thank you, Hashem, I'm able to do a mitzvah right now to be like you. Just like you were mesameach Adam and Hava, I'm mesameach Adam Vekala. Who can know that? Nobody can know that. That's called Tzneha When you sit in a wedding and your mind is with Hashem because you're doing a mitzvah right now, that's called Hatsneya Lechet. Publicly, but not up here, it's not publicly. Your thoughts are not public. You could be at a Levaya, Lo Alenu. And what? What are you thinking? What's on your mind? What is it that you're there to do? Hatsneya Lechet means that in your thoughts, no matter what you're doing, your thoughts are online. Your thoughts are with your Creator. That you're, you have the opportunity and the zechut to be able to do this mitzvah in front of Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for letting me do this. Thank you that I can give tzedakah. Even if it's public. Those thoughts, nobody knows. And every time you have thoughts, that means these thoughts could be with us all day. Every time you think of your Creator, when you're doing a mitzvah, even the most public one, you are saying, Omer belibo, yes, Shekhinah. There is a Borei And this is one of the beautiful ways of life, the beautiful ways to live life. And it's not just beautiful to live that way, it's mechazet, a person. It brings the live higher and higher. Be'ezat Hashem next week, We'll continue how to figure out how we can connect emunah with the love. Baruch Amen.